Packing for crazy town. Packing for crazy town. I'm Sarah Allen and Packing for Crazy Town is about melding chaos into opportunity and magnetizing conversations around possibility in, let's say, unexpected times. In episode one, we talked to Diane Connolly, who said, absolutely no kidding, we are all one with Donald Trump. Even if it's that holy aspect of ourselves that is fucking bananas. Today, we travel to the wilds east of Seattle, unincorporated King County, to meet up with Shauna Holm, increasingly legendary shamanic therapist, author, and poet. Just think of her as Martha Stewart if Martha had, instead of going to prison, gone to Mexico and studied with a mushroom shaman. She's the kind of friend who can talk you off a ledge, pull you out of a dark hole, wave some sage smoke around you, and divest you of stories that just don't work anymore. In return, I do things that she finds mysterious, like connect her printer to Wi-Fi and edit audio files. So it's working for us. We get into bee venom therapy, words as wands, probiotics instead of Prozac, and why she looks to ancient wisdom instead of the New York Times to stay out of the national crazy. Welcome to the second episode of Packing for Crazy Town. I'm over at Shauna Holmes' house in the wilds of the suburbs of Seattle. And before we started the podcast, she wanted me to uh, grab a couple of bees and sting her. <laughs> the beauty secret you're in denial about, getting stung by bees. Um, what's up with that, anyway? Well, that's called bee venom therapy. And so that is actually a very ancient medicine used by Hippocrates and Galen, among others. And so bee venom is actually highly medicinal, and it has long been known as a cure for arthritis. And so I've got a little bit of generative arthritis in my spine, which is just appalling to me. And so I've been waiting, waiting for spring when I can uh, grab a few bees out of my one of my beehives and, uh, and then sting along my spine. And, and if you do that over time, it will, it actually causes the adrenals to create their own cortisol. And so it turns on the body's inner doctor. Now it, it stings like a motherfucker to be uh, <laughs> stung by a bee. But I tell you, it's worth it because it also turns on the serotonin, affects the serotonin in the brain. So it makes you feel really good as well. It's very, very energizing. And so this would have been day one. And yes, I, I said, hey, I'm going to need you to sting me with a couple of bees when you come over. But this is Seattle and today is cold and gray and rainy and those bees are not leaving their hive. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was not, I was not going, I was not looking forward to adding that onto making sure this gets recorded. Um, so anyway, but I, I did witness the miraculous effect of bee venom last year when you were doing it. And then I coincidentally went on a video shoot and we were shooting Michaela Ulmer in Austin, who's known as the bee girl. She makes lemonade and she was on Shark Tank. And I accidentally got six bees in my bee suit, got stung in my face twice, woke up the next day, probably eight months younger. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all, I'm a full go for that um, this year. So I have said that if you don't have a shaman on speed dial, 
during your 40s. I'm not sure how you made it out alive, and luckily I did. Sean and I have been friends for 10 years, and um, I was very clear that after Diane Connolly, Di um, Shauna had to be my second person on. So we talked about languaging a conversation big enough for us to turn around in, in this clown car pileup era of America. And I wanna move into what are the practices we can put in place to rewrite our script? Because nobody's minding the store. It's 2017, Donald Trump is president. Anything is possible if you're conscious and positive and imaginative. So Shauna, I've seen what happens when you go deep and I've benefited from that. I take for granted that I can find people's totem animals. I can retrieve bits of your soul that have, that have dropped off over the years. I take that for granted, but that's because I studied with you, um, you know, about five years ago in the medicine wheel. And I wasn't clear at the time why it was so profound, but like studying the ancient Chinese energetics five element theory with Diane, it laid um, a layer on my foundation that makes me be able to step back out of story and 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 witness what's going on and be co-creative in that moment. So I would love for you, why don't you start with one of your poems? Sure. Okay, well, actually we'll have to preface that. So, so I am uh, Gaelic or Celtic descent, I'm Irish and Scottish, and, and all of the cultures around the planet had their relationship with nature and the unseen realms and the Irish and the Scottish folk and you know Scandinavians were no stranger to that same with the you know even the Romans uh, the uh, Mediterranean people and so really what I see happening now with some of us is a, a, a reclaiming of something that we have lost along the way in this high-speed trajectory towards the best technology and industry in this commercial world, which is really superficial. It's, I see it as it's really an overlay. And so even this kind of uh, Western mindset that doesn't accept what you and I are going to talk about today, it's simply because it's, it's an overlay within the wilds of the human mind. And so I am all about reclaiming that peace that was lost, reclaiming the wisdom of the ancients. And so that uh, revolves around medicine, food, uh, because food is our medicine, and also relationship with the worlds of the unseen. And we know we live in polarity because, you know, you can't have life without positive and negative charge. So for everything, there must be its opposite. Therefore, if we all live in the world of the seen, it would just be logical that then there would have to be the world of the unseen as well. And so this poem that I will share is a result of a relationship that I've cultivated over uh, many years now with the spirit realm, if you will. And, and there's nothing new age, I actually don't like that expression, uh, or new about this. This is old, 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 old stuff. You know, there were, there were people in every culture who could talk to the spirits. And particularly with women, women often filled the role as oracle, seer, medium, where they would uh, go in, they would have the uh, proclivity or the ability to, to connect with the unseen realms and then deliver wisdom uh, or, or deliver, you know, the necessary medicine that had to come through. And so I've been doing that for 
probably, gosh, almost 15 years now. And in the last six years, I started working with the mushroom and we'll talk about that in a bit, but that really catapulted me even more deeply into those realms. And then as a result of the work with the mushroom, I started receiving these beautiful poetic messages. And so that has since resulted in a book that I did both an ebook and I also recorded it as an audiobook. And it's called Poetic Whispers from the Green Realms. And so this poem I'm going to read is called Ancestral Kin. And one thing I want to preface it with is I've seen you do this. And if you're listening, you have to know that there's no editing here. Shauna turns on our recorder and they come out fully formed and in rhyme. That's right. That's right. It's just like we're talking now. These messages would come and they would usually I would be sort of awakened in the morning. So I'm in that in-between state which is classically understood to be when the veils are thinnest, you know, and at that time is sort of, you know, not quite fully awake, but not all the way asleep either. And, and then this whole message would come through. And so I, I started taking my digital recorder to bed with me. <laughs> so I'd just reach for it and just speak into it. And then, you know, I would get out of bed and I would go in the kitchen and start to make breakfast for my daughter and it would like wait. And then when I was done making breakfast, I'd pick up my digital recorder and pick up where I left off fully in rhyme. And so anyway, this one is, uh, is one that I, I quite love called Ancestral Kin. I feel a soft light pressed in close, insisting that I hereby know that I am flanked by kindreds wise. They're here to help me realize that this has been my mind's creation. This radio must change the station. This one must be ready for, for most don't even know this door even exists, yet it remains accessible on earthly plane. This door can take lifetimes to find, so hidden is it in the mind, for everything is metaphor, the holy grail, a symbol for, a deep-held secret portal door. It takes wings to find this door, a bird's eye view to see the floor, and the skies above your head, most don't see until they're dead. Dying while you're still awake, man's limited offerings you'll forsake. You've called in winged ones of light for restoration of your sight. We've placed among you many friends on this sojourn. They help you tend to matters of a deeper nature. Their encouragement ensures that you'll stay long enough to win the treasures hidden deep within. This, a place where you can meet folk whose essence is most sweet. Now this door's found within the mind. Is it not said you greet your kind through a meeting of the minds? Cultivate that fertile soil. Inner garden where you toil, you are in a unique season where Earth's people have lost reason. Bring your bounty to the table. Share your gifts now to enable others to see and to act. You must now engage with tact. They cast spells, laid out for fools. In higher mind, you hold the tools. Call to mind the winged one's view that takes you out of sorcerer's stew. Rigorous practice happens now. Harness your thoughts and train them how to rest in silent quietude so you can supersede that mood and open within the temple doors that are found on higher floors. Nature helps you find this place through the beauty of its face you're inspired deep within. It's there you'll find ancestral kin. Ancestors were worshipped by people of old, who knew the power that they hold would help them as they walked life's path. They've come before, they know the math. Your bloodlines 
Your bloodline traces back to we, the shining ones you call the she, who sat with you beneath the trees when once your good people could see. You've called us from the greenery. You've asked us, help my people see. And so like you, we've made a vow that we'd return and teach you how to call the magic back again to this beleaguered earthly plane. And so for you, steps carefully laid, will lead away from this charade unto a place where sanity's found, then potent wisdom you can ground. And with the minds of many folk, the ancient magic you'll invoke, the flames beneath that cauldron stoke, the brewing magic that will poke, a hole in bubbles that are false. We will ensure Earth finds her pulse. another day in the suburbs, as we like to say. <laughs> Never know who you're going to meet in the suburbs or what you're going to find. <laughs> so shedding stories. What does a shaman bring to the healing of old wounds? How does that work? Okay. Um, before I go into that, I want to say that, you know, we are using the word shaman and uh, that's a word that came out of the uh, uh, Siberian folk. And it means one who sees. And, and so that basically sort of gives you an idea of what I do and others, you know, uh, who, who, who do similar uh, things. So there are other words as well, though, that were used. You know, you uh, could think of, um, you know, what I do is as, as what the medicine man or woman would do, or the wise man, the wise woman, or the seer, the oracle, the midwife. These were all uh, practitioners throughout time who offered something they were in touch with something that maybe you know the rest of the village wasn't necessarily in touch with so then they would be sought out for their ability to to see something that you can't see or to heal something that you can't heal and and so in terms of working with those old wounds i think it's important first of all not to run from from that that we have to in other words you cannot heal what you cannot or will not see Right? We have to be able to see the issue and understand the issue so that we can then uh, uh, you know, figure out the best way to address it and correct it or, or heal it. And when I work with my one-on-one -on -one clients, they will come in initially and, and tell me what's going on in their life and of course you know the issues that are are occurring now and so i look at all of that as symptomatic of something that happened a long time ago in childhood you know somewhere along the road in childhood uh you know things went sideways somehow uh, not for all of us but you know for a great number of of us and uh and and so you know, a child takes it on themselves that there is something somehow defective with them or, or they didn't get the memo or something's wrong with it or whatever it is, right? And, and then, you know, decisions are made at that formative time and that casts the patterns down the road. And so, you know, rather than focus on initially at least on sort of what's going on in the day-to-day -day life and all right well let's try to fix that but meanwhile we, we we have these many other aspects within within us and if they are unhealed you know maybe when we were six or 12 or 15 or whatever that that personality that we once were has simply receded into the soul or or deep psyche psyche being the greek word for soul and so 
then it, 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 it has a tendency to take the wheel of you when you encounter a similar situation, just different players. And, and then it, it's like you leave the room and you end up repeating this pattern. So, you know, we can talk till the cows come home about the current events of your life and why they're screwed up. And people will do that with therapists for, you know, years. <laughs> yeah. uh, or we can go to what I call the origination point of the wounding. And because, you know, once you really see that, it's like a light bulb goes off and you realize, oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and it's also like you can forgive yourself for every screw up over the course of your life when you realize, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. Of course I would make these decisions. Of course I would do that. Of course I would pull that. Gosh, this makes perfect sense. And now you're in a position where you can, you can change that. Realizing that, ah, I have been run by the young one, essentially. I mean, I can always, you know, when I'm talking to people and I'm listening to them and I can hear the young one speaking or they, you know, they start making excuses. Ah, that's the young one or, you know, whatever it is. So let's bring the young one into light. I mean, Carl Jung spoke of this, saying that, you know, you have to bring that. It's a shadow piece, if you will. And shadow simply meaning that which is within the deep psyche that is very much active. We think we are calling the shots and making the decisions in this consciousness that you and I are in, that we're all in listening, you know, to this right now. Ha ha ha. <laughs> no, no. We need to have a little meet and greet with the deep psyche or the soul. And so, you know, that uh, is, you know, sounds like, you know, we're talking about uh, depth psychology. Well, you know, the medicine person or the shaman understood psyche of course of course i mean that is the soul the imagination is there i mean this is the the mystery of the human being of the man or woman and so you know the shaman can can go there and also uh connect with okay so those aspects of ourself are unseen just as helping spirits you mentioned you know totem animals and so that runs throughout many, many different cultures, of course, you know, where uh, certain animals in nature were regarded as, well, many, if not all of them, regarded as sacred in some way. They were all teachers. And so there might be a certain animal or bird or insect uh, or plant or tree even uh, that we feel a, a, an affinity toward. And so that is, that is a, a teaching element in our life. And so you can connect with that on a deeper level, learning everything you can about that being and what its aspects uh, are, uh, how it functions. And, and that clearly, if you're that drawn to it, it's, it's teaching you something about how, you know, you can uh, uh, work through your own life. So that's a very long-winded answer to your question, but... <laughs> well, I did kind of, I did kind of surprise you with that one. You um, did. I'm, I'm kind of a bouncer when it comes to talking to people. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing that I, I just, that your, your poem brought up for me was something that you said the last time we met and during a mushroom journey when you said, it's like experiencing death while you're still alive. And the value of that can't be overstated, can it? Well, no, because this is, okay, so I, we've talked about this, about how grateful we both feel to be, you know, we, we've had this sort of midlife face slap, if you will, <laughs> but it has sent us in directions that we would not have explored, I don't think, had everything been honky-dory. And, and, and so I think any kind of, you know, major adverse 
experience in your life, be it, you know, the death of a loved one, a divorce, a serious illness, you know, the loss of your career, job, whatever it is, that will tend to throw a lot of things that you've taken for granted into question. And, and that is essentially life knocking on your door saying, dear, it's time to question all of that because it is time for you, just like the snake, to shed that old skin and come into something new. And, and so, and the snake is a, a, a symbol of death and transmutation. And so dying while you're still alive is, is you know, when that change is, is upon you and you are often forced to, you know, end, end a way of being and, and enter into something very new. And, and often what happens is, you know, your whole identity changes because it's time. Just as we grow out of clothes, uh, uh, you know, and our body changes, the same thing happens with our identity. Nothing's static. Now that said, uh, a great many people tend to cling to their identity and they tend to cling to what feels safe and they are quite resistant to change. And there are certain people that, you know, I tell my clients, look, you know, you cannot change that person and it is very likely that they will be that way for the rest of their life so that they will not get that sort of face slap until they've crossed over, you know, and can look at their life and realize, oh my God, it was right there in front of me. Or, or if I had just done this, right, it would have been so different. And so for those of us who, uh, you know, have had to have had this occur and where we've had to really make some radical changes in our life. It is like dying while you're still awake. And it's an opportunity to make very different decisions. I'd love to hear kind of your take on this, this uh, co-creating, this manifesting out of ether, out of the quantum soup, something new, something fresh, because this time is about opportunity. It's not, it's about melting chaos into opportunity. It's not just, oh my God, Donald Trump is going to get us all killed. Well, Hillary Clinton would have done the same thing. Okay. So blah, 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 right? right I right. mean, basically the Clinton crime family lost and the Trump crime family won. I yeah. mean, I think most people are starting to catch a clue that government is, you know, a criminal syndicate worldwide. In any case, but I digress. <laughs> but we're just keeping it, we're just chilling. We're keeping it light in the subs today. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, so, uh, where the hell were we? Well, I... Oh, yes, okay, all right, yes. so dreaming into... Okay, so first of all, we are, we are incredibly creative beings, and there's a saying that says, energy flows where attention goes. And I believe it was Mark Twain who once said, worry is a prayer for it to happen. And I remember reading that going, oh shit, because I used to joke that I have several PhDs in worry. And, and so let's talk about that for a sec, because when you worry, what are you doing? You're thinking about it all the time. Uh, you're feeling the emotion around it. It's affecting your entire body. I mean, people can, you hear, oh, she made herself sick with worry, because you can literally make yourself sick with worry. And then often the very thing you were so worried about, not often, but sometimes, happens. And I remember when, uh, back when Natalie Wood 
drowned. And I remember the irony later of reading, oh my God, she was always afraid of water, afraid of swimming, afraid of drowning. And that's how she died. And then another time I read some article about some man in Australia who was swimming with a friend of his and a great white shark came and, you know, ate him, killed him. And his friend said that was his worst fear, mm -hmm. that he would be eaten by a shark. And then, by God, that's how he died. And so, you know, just things that make you go, hmm, really, that's interesting, right. right? Very interesting. And just think of all the energy that goes into, into that. It's very, it can be very all-consuming. And so, on the other side of that, you know, there is... All right, so I know you want me to talk about my own example. So we are in my uh, home, and I live on a cottage on a horse farm nestled in trees right next to my daughter's school. So I'm on a 16-acre horse farm, and this is a little private school next to us on 70 acres. So we're all tucked away here in this beautiful oasis and yet central to everything. And so when my uh, marriage ended a few years ago, I ended up sharing the house with my ex-husband, who's a very good friend of mine now. But we shared that, that house for two years. And this was in Redmond, where I live. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and so I just, I had no money. But I knew Redmond has a lot of horse farms. That is unfortunately changing as this place is getting super overcrowded. But in any case, I knew there were horse farms. Therefore, there would be some kind of rental situation available. And I just got that bee in my bonnet and I would not let it go, as you well know. And so two years went by. And during that entire time, I kept saying, I want a cottage on a horse farm nestled in trees near my girl's school. And I would not consider a condo or an apartment or anything like that. I just, I refused. It, it, it wouldn't, and, and therefore, in my mind, the only option was a cottage on a horse farm nestled in trees near my girl's school. And so, so if that was the only option, you know, in my mind, it had to happen because I was narrowing it down. So, and then I would, here's the mystical piece, but I would go out in our backyard. We had a, a beautiful pond with an island in the center and a bridge to the island. There was these two huge cedar trees on the island. And I would talk to those trees and I would also call in Pan, who is the, the Greek god and lord of the forest, among other things. And I would call in Pan and talk to these trees and I would say, please send this down through the roots. Send this down through the mycelial <laughs> networks beneath the surface, if you will. This is what I want. I want that cottage on a horse farm and I want to be among the trees and it has to be near my girls' school. And, and that was my prayer essentially and and so a couple of months before this sh place showed up out of the blue a dear friend of mine who's had some financial success and she knew i was going to be looking for this place she said hey um so are you going to need some money for deposit for this place because of course you know you got to pay first month last month whatever and i'll just come out with the amount because we live in redmond it's expensive and i figured the place would be a couple thousand bucks a month and so, and in my mind, I was thinking this whole time, God, I'm going to need like at least $5,000 just to get me in the door. And this friend says, how about $5,000? So, okay, that was bizarre. And of course, I was like, okay, great. <laughs> and then right before this place came, you called me 
and said, hey, I checked out this really cute place, not gonna work for me, but the landlady's really cool and it's next to, to the girls' school and I think you'll really, I think you should see it. And I was teaching that weekend, so I was very sort of nonchalant, which I can't believe now. And I didn't even call the landlady until Sunday, which by then all of these people were, of course, eagerly in line ahead of me with their perfect credit scores and whatnot. And so I came Monday morning and I brought both my girls. And by the way, I have two teenage daughters and I have one word for those girls and that is jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah, they're really amazing girls. And so I brought them with me and I could tell that the landlady was, you know, really quite liked my girls, you know. And then uh, it turned out, you know, she asked where the girls went to schools. Oh, right next door at this school. And she said, oh, both my daughters graduated from there. And that's when I knew we were in. And so, so, and then, you know, the father of my girls said he would, you know, help out with the rent and whatnot. And so like all, in other, other words, in other words, this incredible support, it just came together so brilliantly. And then the punchline of this is that I was speaking a week later, was in the house talking with my landlady, we're talking business. And if I said to you, let me talk to my, let me talk to my finance person about this. I'll get back to you. I'm not going to say their name. Who cares what their name is? And she says, let me talk to my finance person, Pan, and I'll get back to you. And, and I, I, I couldn't even believe what I just heard. And I, I said to her, I said, did you just say Pam with an M like Mary? Or did you say Pam like Peter Pan? And she said, oh, her name is Pan, like Peter Pan. And so that was my big wink from the spirits. And also a very important lesson as well. That there is, you know, we're, we're conditioned and programmed to think that, you know, you get things by, you know, working hard and you work toward it and this and this and this. And, and, and yes, that is true. I would say yes. And there is a whole other way as well, where you are working with essentially unseen forces. And that requires a a real power of focus. You have to be, I mean, I was focused, as I said, there were no other options. And it took two years. Now, someone maybe after six months or a year, whatever, would have said, this is ridiculous, not you know, going to work. I'm just going to get an apartment, you know. But this came together and rather very serendipitously, and some might say even magically. And so it, it, it was a huge lesson for me. And not only that, but as a medicine woman, my spirit animal that I work with is the owl. And now it just so happens <laughs> that the mascot for this school that I live next to is the owl. And in order to get to my house, you must go through the entrance to the school and drive up to my place. And every client drives past a big sign that says, home of the owls. <laughs> and so, you know, I do have people just saying, what are the odds, Shana? What are the odds? Like, it's, it's just crazy. And so, so that brings me to actually something else, which, I, which is synchronicity. And, and synchronicity is, I think of it as a language. It's a language of spirit. And Jung spoke of synchronicity as well. When you open a, an invisible door and, and your awareness increases, tenfold and you realize there is far more going on than meets the eye and you begin to engage these forces 
Well, then these very interesting, what we call synchronicities, begin to occur. And um, and it's almost a daily occurrence for me at this point. So I think for a lot of people, everyone I know, and literally I mean everyone, is experiencing a watershed of one sort or another, be it death or radical change, job, family. Um, and I know you're not a big fan of Cryon, but he is my, fa- <laughs> he's my favorite multidimensional being. And I think I'm going to do an entire podcast just on selects from cryon you but will go interview cryon <laughs> i'm not gonna interview him i'm just gonna just chop him up and they're, he's not gonna come after me but um he talks about affirmations in in the most scientific and logical sensical way i've ever heard and what you're talking about is manifesting and it's related to affirmations and he says that our innate is a closed system meaning our body only knows what it hears us say about our body so if we say i'm amazing i am that job i am that house the power of affirmations cannot be overstated and it's just one of those things just another little tool and i'm preaching to myself too because it's so easy to say i am this i and it's not like i want this I am this. You are this house. You know, you are this job. And your body hears it. And that's that's the danger of self-deprecation. So mm-hmm. he's like saying, if someone gives you a gift, oh, you shouldn't have. You know, oh, you know, it's like, oh, and it hears, oh, she didn't, she, she, you shouldn't have done it. She doesn't deserve it. Got it. Check, check that box. But it's like, you, you've manifested this where you are now. And you in your mind now, when Serena graduates in a couple of years, you have now visualized your next thing. So it's like putting a note in an envelope and putting it in a vault. Two years from now, I'm going to open that vault, take it out, and it's going to say what? What well for me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you must be talking about my farmhouse in Nova Scotia. Well, you know, actually, I was that, that did cross with your uh, cow called Maeve. Yes, Queen Maeve. Queen Maeve. Queen Maeve. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> So this is this is that message in an envelope that's going into the vault. It's going to live in zeros and ones. And in 2019-20, you'll be in Nova Scotia, won't you? Yes, I will, of course, with a whole new community, with a beautiful farm that I will steward using biodynamic methods. And then I will continue to host my private retreats. Maybe I'll do retreats with groups of people. But right now, I, I also, as you know, I mean, I work with clients one-on-one as a therapist, but a little deeper than conventional therapy. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, and come, come see me in six months. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do these private retreats one-on-one. And, uh, and so I've got a, a slew of those uh, starting in May. So a number of people traveling from different places, including Sri Lanka, to come and stay with me for, you know, almost five days and, uh, and go very, very deep. And so I will be doing that in Nova Scotia in two and a half years. Yes, that is, that is my, my goal. And so, you know, I was going to say, you know, when you were talking about being self-deprecating or being positive, uh, you know, the, what we say and what we think has far more weight than we even realize. And, and the Bible tells us this, and the Vedas tell us this. The Bible says, you know, God, that which is that creative force, uh, uh, said the word, and then manifestation occurred. So the word is sound, which is vibration. And the Vedas talk of Nada Brahma, which means sound of God. And so as we are children of that creative force of God, well, the apple doesn't fall far. And so when we speak, every time we speak, that's a vibration. And we are making a declaration. And so we are very, so that is a wand, a 
words are wands. I talk about how words are spells. And so we are, most of us, pretty careless, myself included, can be very careless with our words and not even realize what we're saying. And before even the sound, there is the intention, which would be the thoughts. And so our thinking, as we know, you can you can kill yourself with your thinking, right? I mean, we know stress kills. And what is stress? You know, often it is that just constant thinking, worry, whatnot, right? So so uh, it's very important how we think and what we say. And then everything has around it an energy field. And so we, it's also called an aura, but it's an energetic field. And that field is like a beacon. And uh, the medieval alchemists had a couple of, of, of important maxims, principles. One of them was as above, so below, meaning that, you know, the above reflects the below and, and um, the below reflects the above. And as within, so without. So whatever we are feeling within ourselves is, is felt around us as well. And you know, you can walk into a crowded room and if there's someone who's like super, super negative, you've never even met them before, you haven't even said anything, you sort of instinctively avoid them. That just doesn't, they just don't feel right, right? And there are other people who just, they feel before you've even spoken to them. Just feels good to be in their presence, to be around them. That's that field around you. And so, and everything has a field. So if in your mind, you know, you've got, uh, you know, you're, you're healthy. Uh, and, and this is also, I look to the ancients, by the way. I'm not really interested in, you know, what the New York Times has to say. I look to the ancients because that's where I find the wisdom. And they would talk about purifying the mind, even back then. Why? Who cares? Well, <laughs> because of what we're saying. You know, that when you have these, if you, impure thoughts, if you will, impure meaning, just you know, they're, 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 they're negative, they're, they're self-sabotaging, they are undermining, right? Then, you know, that affects your life. And it, as you were saying, it affects your physical body. It affects, you know, your surroundings as well. So when you can correct that and you start shifting the way you think through various methodologies, then that, uh, that's why we hear life doesn't change you know, like when you change, things change. Things don't change, you have to change. So when right. you change in that way, interiorly, as within, so without, it reflects in the field around you, and then you are attracting different things. That's not new age, you know, mumbo jumbo. That is, that's how it is. That's how it is. And, uh, and you know, I am living proof of, of, of that, you know, in terms of this sort of story we were telling earlier about, you know, what I've been able to attract to myself. And, and also in the face of what people would say, you know, and I don't surround myself with those kind of people, but, you know, naysayers. Oh, that's, you don't even have a steady job. What are you thinking? You can't afford a place in Redmond. You can't, you know, like that's how a lot of people think. And that's also very important to stay. I don't hang out with negative people. Um, I don't hang out with small-minded people. I'm actually very selective about the people that I have in my life. You know, you're kind of a snob, even. <laughs> you're, you're... Well, that may sound like I'm a snob, but it's really the way I look at it. Is this is my only shot here on Earth as Shauna Home? Whether or not I come yeah. back again and again yeah, yeah. is irrelevant. This is my only shot as Shauna Home. Um, my time here is finite, and uh, and and. And so, you know, I'm in charge here. No one's going to fix anything for me. I'm in charge here. So I will determine, I mean, I can determine, you know, misery for myself or I can determine, you know, joy. Well, that's like what Diane said, waking up every day and designing 
a way of being that's big enough. That's a big enough conversation so that to the question, who shows up today as beautiful because you're in the world, that there's an answer to that. that that I, I think about that since talking to her and we're gonna to talk to her again. But you also, you've said this to me, it's like, this is your spaceship. You know, our bodies, yes. our beings, our way of life, it is our spaceship. And I, I love thinking that, thinking about that in terms of how we feed ourselves um, through our thoughts, through the food we put in our bodies, and as we've discussed- And the people we surround ourselves with. And the with. people we surround ourselves mm -hmm. with. And um, that leads me to, so, you know, you are steeped in the ancients and the and the ancestors and how you go about surrounding yourselves. Um, and you are de-aging, which part of this podcast <laughs> has got to be, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, it's, it's not superficial to want to be, to want to look your best. If, if there's so much toxic charge in the air, tell me, um, I know this could be a long conversation, but I've, I've watched your journey and you've always been sort of this Martha Stewart on mushrooms kind of person. <laughs> I mean, you're, you've just, you've just got that as the thing is being raised in Connecticut. That maybe, yeah. <laughs> There's sort of the Wall Street wife, the journey you've had, which I also love that you <laughs> you saved your babysitting money in the 80s when you were 16 and bought a juicer. Yep. And, you know, you were in the village with your Doc Martens and short shorts. And, <laughs> you know, that your journey is is authentically eclectic and authentic, you know, and you're a ferocious reader and you're such a prolific author. Um, what I'd love to segue into as we, you know, sort of start to, to spiral this down is your ancestral food thing you're doing. I can see the results and even though, even though people will probably only choose to dive in on, on facets of it that speak to them. I'd love for you just to walk through, you know, what you're doing right now that's leading to this, this, this vibrancy that I'm seeing in you. Oh, okay. Well, for, you know, this has been ongoing for a number of years where, first of all, my whole life, Yes, I, I saved for a juicer when I was <laughs> 16. And so I have always, I would say, rejected what the mainstream tells me I'm supposed to do or think or eat or whatever. I mean, I approach any kind of newspaper or magazine with the thought of what do they want me to believe now? You know, so there's that, what I think of as a very healthy cynicism. And something that I also tell my students and clients is that the collective is always misguided. Always, <laughs> believe me. In fact, that gives us that expression, which is ancient, that says, uh, uh, for those with ears to hear and eyes to see. And so that would indicate that, hmm, certain information can only be received by those with ears to hear and eyes to see because the rest of the gang is clueless. And so I also did not go to college. I went to you no know, art school, but barely didn't even graduate our art school. Uh, and so you know, I just I just noticed kind of a level of indoctrination into this commercial society and all the products that they want to sell. And so that's never worked for me. So, you know, growing up when everyone was doing those diets and, and it was all this low fat nonsense, and I remember thinking, no bacon? Like no butter? Are you kidding me? Hell no, uh-uh, I'm not following that. No way, you know. So so uh today, yeah, I eat I eat the way 
our ancestors were eating at the turn of the 20th century when heart disease was a medical rarity. It was not a disease of, of aging or associated with the elderly or anything like that or cancer. This, these were all medical rarities. And the food has changed dramatically, particularly since World War II. So what do I eat? First of all, I eat meat. I enjoy meat. I don't eat it every day, but I love it. And the, you know, I like fatty meat. I love the fat on my meat. Uh, I eat raw butter. Uh, in fact, I have my butter shipped across the country, and it's it's <laughs> from an Amish farmer. And uh, I drink raw milk, and I have raised my girls with these kind of foods. Essentially, I eat as close to the farm as I possibly can. And we are very blessed in the Seattle area because we have so many fantastic farms. You know that don't spray chemicals on their foods and they you know they raise their animals outside in the sunshine where they belong and so they produce really healthy delicious foods and I eat a lot of fermented foods because for all of us our guts have been corrupted so we don't have the necessary microflora anymore in the gut 85% of the immune system is in the gut the gut is known as the second brain. Sometimes I wonder if it's the first brain. <laughs> and, uh, and so when your gut is off, uh, that will absolutely lead to many autoimmune diseases, in fact, illnesses, disorders rather. They uh, recently, I read there was a study that, that found that there is a direct link between Parkinson's and the uh, microbiome, they call it, in, in the gut. Lack of, you know, the flora is totally corrupted. And also if you're depressed, or you're experiencing anxiety. Again, look to the gut, you know. Um, stay away from the SSRIs. I think, you know, one of the major uh, factors that is undermining uh, uh, Western culture right now is those those SSRIs. They're very, very dangerous. What's SSRI? the, the, the antidepressants and anti-anxieties oh. and all of those. You know, those are being given away, you know, like pills and over eight million children are on those now, which really? is, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really, um, it's out of control. And really the, those who are really um, uh, um, what is the word? The, the, you know, those who are really receiving the benefits are the pharmaceutical companies. So it's big business again. Yeah. So in any case, so uh, but fermented foods will correct that. They will uh, help the gut to heal itself, to mend the lining of the gut wall. So yeah, you came to my house this morning and I offered you homemade leavened sourdough bread. Mm -hmm. And so that is bread that is not made from a commercial packet of yeast. You create your own yeast using, you know, what's going on in the air around you. And, uh, and you do that with flour and water and you feed it every day and it's a living thing. And then you can bake bread with that. And so you had a slice of my bread um, slathered with raw butter. And then I also gave you a glass of my lacto-fermented <laughs> ginger soda. <laughs> and, and we were just talking about how, you know, we felt so good. We we're in such a good mood. And I was explaining that that's because these are living foods. Yeah. They're alive. They're made from a living substance that that imparts that into you know the finished product and you take that into your body and you're taking in all of this beneficial uh, probiotic material that is uh, showering your your gut yeah. and and will set up residence in there and and help to get rid of the uh, bad bacteria if you will and you know we all have E. coli we all have all this sort of different but you know uh, uh, what is that candida that kind of thing what happens is when the gut flora 
becomes imbalanced, which it does from antibiotics, because they go in and kill everything, mm -hmm. and antibiotic-laced foods and GMO foods, which are wreaking havoc on the gut, and all of the sugar and all that stuff. When we do that, then uh, all of that candida and whatnot that was in check originally, yeah. it explodes. It just explodes. And, and so you have this explosion of all this bad bacteria and it wreaks havoc on your gut. And then of course, everything's connected within our own body. And so it takes over the system. So you don't want that. And, and so, and I look at also, I stay away from things that I know are aging. So I don't like alcohol. So I barely drink it, maybe a teeny bit of mead. But if I, even a half a glass of mead might be too much. So like I barely drink alcohol. I don't drink coffee. I don't take any pharmaceutical drugs whatsoever. Uh, I don't, if I'm gonna put something in my body, if I, you know, if I, I need help, I'm imbalanced, I will use herbs, you know, something that comes directly from nature. I don't put anything in my body that comes from a laboratory. So, so there's that. And so I start every day with beet kvass, which is, you know, an old fermented drink, really fantastic for you. I drink bone broth, cow, cow bones and chicken bones, and, and broth is fantastic for you and loaded with minerals. And uh, I love raw cheeses. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, good meats, essentially, yeah, like everything you would, you would expect you would find on the farm. And I make all my own food usually and I enjoy that now I realize that there are people out there who are like okay fat chance because I've got a full-time job and I've got the kids and whatnot and yeah. then we've got soccer practice and this and this and you know yeah. how do I do it and so I would suggest because I know that there are you know uh, mothers and fathers who are drawn to this kind of thing who are very busy and so and I know some of those people personally and they will dedicate a Saturday or a Sunday or a couple of evenings to where they will prepare this stuff in advance and they'll prepare quite a lot of it and then throw it in the freezer or the fridge or whatever and then they've got that for the coming week mm -hmm. for for the family and so to the best of your ability you, you know you could do that and the thing is you know we waste a lot of time we really do the best of us we do and we're screwing around on the computer and the next thing you know you know 90 minutes or two and a half hours gone yeah. and you're like wait what was i doing you know and so you know, what I simply do is instead of like wasting time doing that, you know, because I am busy, I have clients when I have retreats, then I am, you know, with that person for the next four days. And I'm not, you know, other than preparing the food for them, I'm not, you know, making everything else. So I just specifically put that time aside. And we've become really addicted to convenience in this modern culture. And I heard Dr. Brian Clement uh, say a number of years ago in an interview, convenience kills it kills. It's very actually unnatural, you know. And so we used to prepare our food and then, you know, put just love and intention into that food. And, and, and just think of how things have changed so much. We have this sort of illusion that we're connected with all of this, you know, technology. Yet people are spending less face to face time, body to body time together. And, and, you know, that's, that's humanity 101 is yeah. is that you know yes come over from my house we'll just have a cup of tea we'll sit down i made some muffins you know or, or come for dinner and bring the kids no devices let's all just hang out and talk and laugh and have a good time you know we're not doing enough of that yeah. and so i think also or i for myself i'm about reclaiming uh things that we've lost and we've lost some things very recently like what i was just discussing that's kind of 
going away, you know? And and so we want to bring that back as well in terms of, you know, let's spend time with each other. There's a wonderful article. If you go on Google, just type in the five most common regrets of the dying. Mm. And one of them is, think, you know, I wish I'd spent more time with friends. I wish I hadn't worked so much. And so, you know, uh, I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking those things, you know. So this is really important. Also, like this is our this is our one shot to play this personality that we are playing in this life at this particular time. This is it. This is not a dress rehearsal. And so in terms of all that your old wounds, yep, you have, uh, we have a responsibility to, you know, look at, look at that and, and begin uh, to correct it. Work with someone. I mean, I work with people in this way to help them, you know, to do just that and to move forward. And, and, and reclaim other things that have been lost uh, so that we begin to return to our humanity. Because I think with all of this technology and then these robots, then you hear of this transhumanist nonsense, right? To me, that is ego-run riot. And there have been some very wise uh, men in the past uh, who have warned us against all of this, you know, Schauberger and Tesla and Rudolf Steiner and other people have said, guys, you know, this is gonna, this is the road to ruin if you don't temper yourselves. And we haven't tempered ourselves and it's a mess. And so this is, you know, uh, a good friend of mine once said to me when I was going through rough times, she said to Shauna, do you see the ISIS in crisis? And so by Isis, of course, I am speaking to, you know, a very ancient mother goddess figure. So it's a shit show out there. (laughs) (laughs) And this is also a time of extraordinary opportunity. And I think those windows of opportunity are also very dangerous. There's danger and, you know, it's like, God only knows, this is a nail biter. Who knows what's going to happen? But I'll tell you one thing. I'm not going down on my knees. And I'm not going to let, you know, appalling news and whatnot deter me from from walking in in a way that that hopefully is is more of a help than a hindrance, shall we say. You know, I'm just... And so that's another thing too. I don't watch the news. I, do, I don't own a TV. I don't watch any television. I, I, I really don't watch movies because I see all of the social engineering in there as well. And a lot of it is so destructive. And so I say, you know what? Taking that step back, I can think for myself. Thank you very much. And I also stay close to God. Creator, life force, whatever you want to call that. And and I see nature as the expression of God or the breath of God. That's how nature, and we are nature, nature, that is how God expresses. Which is why I want my food to be natural. I want my medicine to be natural. I want to spend time in that frequency. Not these man-made, you know, Wi-Fi, electromagnetic, all this stuff that is so damaging. No. And so... Well, it's fun in small spurts. In small spurts, of course. Small, everything in moderation. Yes, well, yes, kind of a nice little rush sometimes. Yeah, Uh, if we can keep it in moderation. So, but in any case, so yes, so this is, I would encourage everyone to just, you know, start to reclaim, uh, reclaim what in your mind you feel has been lost and, uh, and watch 
watch everything change, because it will. I would love to end with um, one more of your poems, if you wouldn't mind. Um, I hope that anyone listening has found this instructive. I will have on my show notes on um, packingforcrazytown.com um, links that Shauna mentioned um, and how to make beet kvass. Of everything you make, beet kvass is one I can handle. It's a mason jar, chop up some beets, throw some salt in there, and come back in a few days, okay. right? Okay, let me just say one thing before we finish, and that is, okay, inter, okay, here's, here's right use of technology. So we have YouTube, and I call it University of YouTube, because everything is on YouTube. I mean, you can learn how to change a tire on YouTube. It's crazy. And so I learned how to bake sourdough on YouTube. Yeah. So anything that I want to learn, I type it into YouTube, and there are people from all over the world who have made these great videos. I mean, I learned how to make tzatziki from a Greek grandma who, you know, put herself on YouTube. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do use this for research. I use it because I love to learn. And so, yes. so yeah, you can go on YouTube and, and educate yourself till the cows come home. And then before you know it, you'll be, you know, baking sourdough and lacto-fermented sodas and all sorts of things. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all right, so we'll end here. With this poem, it's actually, it's the last poem in my poetry book, Poetic Whispers from the Green Realms, and this is called Guardians. Feel the guardians here now, flanking you will teach you how. We present another layer to the answer to your prayer. This is co-creative, dear. You've called us and we are here. We now help you lift the veil behind which lies the holy grail. Held in mind, it quietly waits until you're ready to open the gates. Feel the warmth of cauldron and heart. Clear your mind so you can part the waves of misperceptions great. To do this, you must clear that slate. Then feel the shining ones here now. These three steps will teach you how to walk as one who knows she hails from distant star beyond the gales. Your kindreds call you to the hour. This the time to summon power. You will shatter fantasy and with clear mind begin to see what you think of as revelation. It will change you in your nation. The mind is an exquisite tool, woefully misused by fools. You must train to take it back. For at this time your thoughts attack. They make a mess and create flack. Be disciplined and do not slack. The clearer the mind, the easier to bind with higher spells that free your kind. Our voice is louder as you repeat. The essence of them is most sweet. For you have called in mentors wise. We'll ensure you'll realize the lessons you came here to learn. We'll stoke the fire there that burns beneath the cauldron in heart center. We are preparing you to enter into what's an ancient grove. Within that circle you once strove to be an adept who had knowledge, one who walked as living college. In this grove, you spoke to stars, who called you there at certain hours. During those times, you sat with kin, shining ones you'd welcomed in. Though times passed, and your forms knew, do not dare think we'd forget you. We will ensure you will remember the sorcerer's spell we will dismember. Practice daily these three ways. Collect yourself over the days. This will clear the mental haze, and take you to a higher phase. So it did get warmer, and I did end up stinging Shauna with two bees. 
but she deemed it too disrespectful to the bees, so I can't play that for you, although it was really funny. <laughs> that was Shauna Home. You can find her at shaunahome.com, S-H-O-N-A-G-H-H-O-M-E.com. And uh, for episode three, I myself am packing for Brighton Bush Hot Springs in the Oregon Cascades. It's where I go when I need a fast turnaround reset. You lose cell service about two miles from the gate. It's powered by geothermal and the river. This is the fastest way I know to remember how to breathe and remember what's important. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna find a few people there who we can talk to to add a few things to our go bag for Crazy Town. Thanks.